Let's see if we can remember how to uh, record podcasts. <laughs> okay. How's your day? Uh, it was all right. It's been busy. How about yeah. you? Um, it was, it was, it, you know what? It was, it was okay until, um, school. so this is, this is the worst way to start a podcast. <laughs> we're, our first we're gonna, podcast back in, in a yeah, long time. This is the worst way. But that's also very much our brand. Yes, of course. Um, so, uh, one of my, I have two four year olds. You're aware of that. Yes, our listeners I know. may not be. Um, they're, they're actually twins. They're two, yeah, that's <laughs> how they both got four. Yeah. And uh, they had a classmate who uh, died today of cancer, who was also four, four and a half, as they will tell you. And um, they, I mean, he didn't like fucking die in front of the other kids. Like, you know, he, (laughs) he died of cancer, presumably some other place. And um, like, I'm fine. Like me, me and this kid were not really that close, but. um, You weren't super close to a four year old? No, it wasn't as close as we could have been. Now that I look back on his life, but uh, the, I had to talk to the kids about it because they're going to tell everybody tomorrow, but they just told the parents today and said, if you want to go home and talk to your kids about this, do it your way, however you want, then we'll give you that opportunity. And so, like, in 10 minutes, it's, I'm driving home. I'm trying to, like, cook up how do I tell my four-year-olds who don't conceptualize this stuff real well, sure. uh, you know, that their classmate and friend died. Death and, and all so that. We, uh, yeah, death, yeah. And so... Like you know, we did it, and um, no, no I've, I have a long-standing. I, I have almost been unwavering in my anti-toddler death stance. I mean, it, like very <laughs> generally, no one can challenge me. I on will that. say, I'm I'm also anti-toddler death. Right. Just for the record, I wanted don't want anybody to put any words no, in our y- mouths or right. anything like that. That's also what, anti-toddler death. Right, and I've, I fear that as well. Yeah. And so we had to talk to the kids, and and um, the kids were better about it than we were, I think, because they don't. Um, Again, they don't they don't have a real grasp of death. I don't think they got the gravity of it. And yeah. their friendships that they have, while very important, are also extremely superficial sure. and shallow. Yeah. Like if a person just disappeared from their life, it would mean very little to them in, yeah, a, of course. in a grand scheme of things. Yeah. So, uh, so, but they asked a lot of questions about death, like. You know, is uh, is this kid gonna come back? And uh, what? How did he die? And I said, well, it was cancer. And what's cancer? Well, yeah. it's a thing that grows in the. Now I don't fucking know. Yeah, what cancer right. Is. Yeah, it's a thing that grows inside you, makes you very sick. Why didn't he go to the doctor? Like, well, he did. Yeah. You remember that pancake breakfast that we went to? <laughs> um, yeah, it was yeah. just it just. The whole toddler death thing really puts a real downer. Yeah, on well, that reminds. I'm not trying to make light. It sounds like I'm joking about no. it. Again, my my anti toddler death stance is almost unwavering. But um, um, no, it just put a downer on the whole day. I don't know. How that kind of reminds me it. of the thing, though. Like I was thinking of the same thing. Like I was listening to a podcast uh, last week, and it was they were talking about it was somebody had written a, like a children's book about Alzheimer's, like their mother or father had passed away from Alzheimer's and they wrote this book because their kids were probably like that, you know, three to five range or whatever. Help, and they were trying to put trying to explain Alzheimer's in context. Yeah. Um, the problem was, is the book they called Alzheimer's was a monster. Right. So that's already okay. scary enough. Right. And the, and basically how they explained it is that all the memories that grandmother had of you, uh, the time you went to Disney world, uh, the time, Christmas when she bought you that super awesome train that was candy in her brain and the monster ate the candy (laughs) (laughs) and it's just I tried to find it it's a children's book they were describing it a a monster (laughs) eating candy to explain Alzheimer's to a four-year-old seems like the worst possible thing but also the most hilarious thing and I was listening to this listening to this 
at work just losing my shit and everybody in my office was just like looking at me like what are you laughing at and i'm like i can't even explain the monster eating candy <laughs> eating like you're grandma's combining, brain candy? you're combining something that is really awesome like your grandmother and something also super awesome like candy and then something children fear the most fucking monsters so, so you could have explained it in that in that context like the cancer is like candy and the monster came and i all like candy and the i don't know that no Anyways, <laughs> I, I do not look forward to having four-year-olds and having no, one no. of their friends die of cancer. We're back. Live from Fitzgerald's in St. Paul, we are the Daves you know, this is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. that music uh, we're back damn that is good music we're back um, back at fitzgerald's yeah i miss, miss this place, place. it's yeah. kind of it's kind of dead tonight and it i is. think i know why i'm looking around and there's no sports on the tv they only have like the only thing i can describe it as is like the a nature version of the christmas yule log video that like it's literally just like they're showing a gif of a waterfall like yeah. on all the fucking big screen tv well there's one of a waterfall there's one of like a creek uh, a crick, as we say a in crick, Iowa. and then there's one of uh, some rain. Some rain, and it, they're just it's there's weird. No sports. It's just somebody yeah. had anxiety all problems. The, Anyways, that's why the there's sports are, are not being played tonight. So, yeah. and they don't have the there's like apparently U.S. Open Cup game that probably just kicked off, but uh, they don't have one crazy <laughs> sports package. Nope. You need to watch that. Some <laughs> San Diego <laughs> shitty San Diego soccer team. I don't package, know. Yeah. yeah. So, well, we can we can. Talk about soccer if we want. Let's do that. I All forgot right. how to Sounds do that. Good. Let's see yeah. if we can figure it out. I think we can All right. It so, um, uh, what we're going to cover for those of you listening for the first time, which is zero people at this point, I think everyone's listening. Um, we're going to cover it the way that we usually cover it. We're going to cover the most recent game. We're going to talk about the good and the bad, the high and the low, how the referee did, all that kind of stuff uh, about the most recent game. And then this week you get double coverage uh, because we've got two games coming up before the next time we record. Sure. We're yep. Cover tomorrow nights. Tomorrow, as of now, Wednesday nights, uh, uh, midweek game. Then we're going to cover Saturday's game against the San Jose Earthquakes. So that's a lot of content. Give me some previews. A lot of hashtag content in there. Yes. So let's dive right into it. Um, All right. Uh, whom did we play the other night? We uh, played the yeah, the Coove. The Coove. God, the I Coove. hate that name. That's I know. It's, it's so fucking bad. It's bad. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about the Coove. Uh, uh, the way we usually cover it, we're going to start with the best moment. Yes. We start positive. What was your best moment from that one? Well, I got to say, obviously, um, th- there's several great moments. Um uh, but the, the Ibarra goal, uh, he has been working his ass off all year. That's one of the one of the problems of the taking the hiatus, which was really great, refreshing us, got us back on track and everything. We weren't able to talk about how goddamn awesome Miguel Ibarra has been for the last basically month. Um, every, every point he has scored has been a game winner yeah. as an assist or yep. a goal. Yep, so game. every time he's on the score sheet, uh, Minnesota United wins. Um, he has just – he apparently – you know, we talked about it last year about how he had, you know – we weren't sure if he was the one uh, taking the video of Brent Coleman 
banging Heath's wife, or if Common was doing the video of Ibarra. They're both involved. Banging Heath's wife. They're both very much involved, yes. And yeah. Common is still somehow involved and entangled in this situation. We'll talk about that later. But whatever Ibarra did, Ibarra got out of that doghouse, yep. um, unscrewed Adrian Heath's wife, uh, and got. And granted, I think obviously uh, the injuries to Molino and Finlay um, certainly opened up some opportunities for him. But he's taking every single ounce of that opportunity and making the most of it. Yep. And just the tenacity that he showed. Um, I mean, the cross, obviously, by Gomez was a great cross. It was, it was perfect. Um, Ibarra didn't put a great shot on, but the goalkeeper had to make a pretty acrobatic save. And just the tenacity of the, what we've seen. This People who've been following this team since 2012, um, you know, when Ibarra came in 2013. Um, we've seen him play, like bust his ass and play play hard and run through and just and follow and just follow 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 mm -hmm. um that was a classic ibarra 2014 goal where ibarra right. shot you know he he just kept running and he was he kept following through and he got the rebound uh the vancouver defense was just standing around like thumbs up their ass kendall waston with a thumb up his ass um and you know he put the rebound in that was just a, a classic miguel ibarra goal so for that for me obviously you know scoring that goal you know with a man, being down a man um, was my best moment of the game. How about you? It was good, and it was surprising. Yes. Um, I, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to say Bobby making that low save in the first half on mm. uh, Anthony Blondell. And the reason is uh, if Minnesota goes down a goal there, they almost certainly go down another goal at least within the next 10 minutes. We've seen it time and time again. When they get behind, then they something happens mentally that they just collapse instantly, and it, they dig themselves so deep a hole they can't get out of it. Bobby makes that save, keeps it a tie game, and prevents that kind of spiral from happening. So I think that was important. I think it, the, the second half couldn't have happened without that. So. That's that's true. They, well, they do and they don't. Uh, they went down a goal early against uh, Houston, and they didn't. Uh, they didn't concede that second goal. That that was. Typically, last year, you're 100% correct. Like, they would get give up that first goal in the first 10 minutes, and then well, they would just spiral. There's still plenty of examples spiral. this yeah. year. Seattle's an example. Seattle's bad this year. They did yeah. it against Seattle. They Portland. did it against San Jose. San Jose's bad this yeah. year. They managed to do the same thing. So, it, I, so yeah. there's still evidence there. Of course, yeah, no. So, um, Bobby has also been really good this year, too. And he, he, yeah. he's, he's had a year of doing what he does best, which is stopping shots. It sounds like yeah. a dumbass thing to say, but – that. He doesn't do other things as well, in my opinion. He, does, yeah. he doesn't do distribution as well. I think spacing sometimes is, is suspect. He's not great with his feet. Yeah. Um, but he'll stop a shot like nobody, and he did it. Yeah. What was your worst moment of that game? <coughs> um, excuse me. Um, well, worst moment of the game, obviously, was uh, that red card um, for uh, Mason Toy. I thought Mason Toy had played a fairly decent game up until then. Um, and I think he's actually he's impressed me a lot actually in in how he's played and in, in he, he's sort of a he's a weird hybrid between uh, Ramirez and Dunlady like he can do some of the hold up stuff that Ramirez can do um, but he's also a lot, a lot quicker than Christian um, and can get on uh, can get on uh, some balls that have been you know um, you know passed his way like Dunlady can he can outrun some people um, so I mean he's obviously a lot he's actually <clears throat> in my estimation in the what you know, 60 minutes, 70 minutes we've seen Toy play. He's a lot more raw than uh, Abu Dunladi is, mm -hmm. I think. Um, but he definitely has a lot of really good potential. And yep. just seeing the worst moment, it was the most moment of the game. It wasn't, just, it wasn't because he got the red card. It was just seeing him lose his cool, mm -hmm. especially to a guy like Kendall Waston, who is a known asshole who uh, <laughs> goes out of his way to provoke people. Um, that is his whole fucking game. 
that he the fact that Toy I mean yes Toy's 19 years old he's really fucking young like yeah. one of the youngest players in the league uh, outside of uh, like Alfonso Davies from right, Vancouver right. but like the kid's young and raw and but the fact that he just lost is cool like that and and put his team in a in a really precarious position especially considering you know where they were they didn't have any goals it was going to be you know they could have easily dropped three points to a really not good Vancouver team. So. At home, yeah. Yeah, at uh, home. You know, I, I, I'm going to talk about Toy in a, in a second, but I, I want to throw out quickly that I would almost rather a rookie, just a raw rookie, come in with more tenacity because I think it's easier to learn how to keep that cool with time than it is to be somebody who shies away from contact, who doesn't know how to be a disruptor physically, uh, and then learn how to become that. I, I, I think sure. it's easier to go the other way. So. Part of me is like, kind of like, okay, I'm willing to see this out, but you're right. He's going to get a reputation quickly for somebody who can be provoked, yeah. and he's got to beat that. Somehow. And I'm not saying he, he's shown that, that he can, he can body up with people and all that. Just, the, 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 the worst moment was that he just lost his cool. Right. Just like, and the other, I mean, they're talking about other games, but like the fact that Toy got a red card, and I don't know if you saw what Zlatan did uh, in their LAFC's game over the weekend, but uh, the fact that Toy got a red card in Zlatan – um, cold cocked a dude in the head with his elbow and got no card whatsoever. Speaks can't volumes t- about a lot about the MLS the and, and the uh, and and PRO and, and the referees and all that. But I'll, I digress. What was your what was your <laughs> worst worst moment of the game? Well, so I'm gonna go with Eric Miller going down injured mm, late in the yep. game, uh, even above the toy red card. I, I'll talk about the toy red card momentarily. Now, whatever your feelings about Sam Nicholson leaving or about him as a player, it's hard to see the trade between the uh, Sam and Eric as anything but a Something that makes a ton of sense for Minnesota, <laughs> in my opinion. We um, had a question about this, so we'll talk about this in a little bit. We'll talk yeah. about Yeah, I'll be real brief with it. Uh, you know, you get a defensive-minded outside back, something we're desperately low on. You swap it for uh, a left winger of whom we have a 1,000 and none of whom obviously excels a, you know, a 1,000 times better than any other left wing. So it, it, it made sense. Now that we might lose him, he's questionable as of the last time I checked today. Um that's just a big F word. I mean, cause, <laughs> because we, that was their shutout. You know, we, yeah. we, we need to put those pieces together, and losing those pieces as soon as we get them is deeply frustrating. Yeah. So, uh, as we always call it, what's your most what-the-fuck moment in that game? Um, I mean, honestly, the, the toy the toy red car was obviously the most what-the-fuck. But, I mean, I don't want to talk, you know, harp on that. Um, I'll just say that sort of that five- or six-minute stretch – uh, around starting around the 72nd minute or whatever, where I think uh, Vancouver hit the crossbar twice. Um, Bobby had to make, uh, and this is this is when so Vancouver's already a gigantic fucking team. Like they're just a bunch of uh, of trees out there, and they brought in uh, Kai Kamara and Brekshay, who are tall. You know, I I don't want to say uh, Brekshay is a muscular dude. Brekshay is a fucking ent from. Uh, uh, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> um, and uh, but Kai Kamara is a big muscular dude, and Kai Kamara almost got a goal. Brekshay, but for an amazing Bobby save. So that just that sort of, and this is when Minnesota has transitioned to that five uh, that five three one, um, where ostensibly they were trying, you know, that's their goal was to keep people to like make them shoot from outside. Which again, Vancouver is a really weird team is in that. This is super weird. That's their entire fucking game plan is to is in, to do these crosses into the box, and they're really they're not good at finishing them. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that they're sitting in third right now and that they were uh, in the playoffs last year is, is 
still, I, I can't quite figure out how exactly Vancouver does this no. every goddamn year. But this is that's their strategy. Their strategy is to whip it into the box. Um, and just hope, counter and, and avoid hope, yeah. possession. Yeah, and just basically... So, I mean, Adrian Heath made some, like... So, maybe the most what-the-fuck moment of the game was Adrian Heath making some actual good subs and bringing in Olmsberg. Um, obviously, Miller going down hurt, but mainly came in and did his job. Mm-hmm. But bringing in Olmsberg um, and, and... Colin Martin. Colin Martin in mm-hmm. the defensive midfield and doing the things that they needed to do to prevent Vancouver from getting... Um, good, uh, you know, good shots in and getting, you know, uh, good crosses in. It, the defenders just need to. They don't. Defenders don't need to get a, a, a ton on a ball when a ball is crossed, and they just need to get get the uh, offensive player off their, you know, off the trajectory or just get enough on the ball to to nick it. So, I guess my most what the fuck moment of the game was Adrian Heath actually doing something correctly <laughs> with his subs. It, it, we've had criticism over time of that, <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, so let me, let me give you the toy red card as the most what-the-fuck moment. Yeah. There's a reason I put it there instead of as my worst moment. So first of all, in my mind, I thought it looked like the kind of normal jostling that I see in those situations. Maybe by the letter of the law, it's a red card. So fine, I'm not going to I'm not gonna fight over it. But to see it actually called a red card, when I, in my opinion, it's usually not given a red card, that was kind of off-putting to me. Anyways, let's yeah. just give him the red card. Waston sold it very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Whatever. Give watching him the, the, watching the replay of the game, Waston sold it very well. So. Yeah, yeah, it does that. So, so, but, but whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna whine about it. But the real reason it becomes a what the fuck moment is because of something we've started to hint at is because it throws the game into this really bizarre state. Um, Vancouver owned just over thirty percent. I don't know how to speak words anymore. Thirty percent of possession total for the season coming into this game they don't like possession and they have no idea what to do with it when they have it now all of a sudden they're playing with this advantage where they're forced to play entirely out of character they own possession they need to play on the front foot uh, and and they did for 10 minutes they didn't know what the fuck to do with that that's that's their whole thing yeah exactly that they 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 do that thing where they're you know they're like i think which is why vancouver is always is a particular challenge for adrian heath because adrian heath wants to do the same fucking thing that vancouver wants to do and it's like they both don't want the ball and so well, I, I don't know. I, I think Heath is a possession-minded dude, but by the time they go down, then it's yeah. the same thing. Like Heath has to play a style he doesn't want to play, where now he has to bunker and he can't own possession. Yeah. And Vancouver has to play a style that they don't want to play, where they actually own the possession. So it's in this really weird state. Nobody's playing to their strengths, and of course, again, it was turmoil. We we got it on the counter. I, we've talked about that. I secretly think we're more of a countering team yeah. than we are a possession team. I think we're just wearing a costume, but. It, it turned the game on its head and in a weird way in the same way that that us going up a man against Atlanta actually kind of might kind have of hindered us, us yeah. because it ended up making it so we couldn't play to our own strengths. Yep. I think the exact same thing happened to Vancouver. That's yeah, that's fair. That's my I was, I was listening to uh, the American soccer analysis podcast from last week and they, they actually they talked specifically about Vancouver ahead of the Vancouver it was after the Vancouver game ahead of our the Minnesota game and they talked about like I mean, that's, they had some ridiculous stats about how how much Vancouver crosses into the box, and like the other the other four teams that did that crossed into the box so much last year were like us, Colorado, LA. Yeah, it was like Vancouver, Colorado, LA, Minnesota, um, and I want to say it was Philly was the other one. Like those were all really shitty teams last year. <laughs> and so it's like it actually, but then Vancouver, <clears throat> who was third in the West, yeah, which the West wasn't great yeah, last year, but exactly. That's playoffs, so. so. Yeah, so it's uh, you're right. So, yeah. what was your referee scorecard then? I'm curious. Um, you know, I just I only rewatch. I watched so watching this game in the stands, and then I rewatched it. Uh, 
Normally I try to watch the game like three times. I, I didn't really, I got like a C minus. It was, I, it was fairly inconsistent. Um, again, I don't agree that that the toy, uh, toy definitely deserved a card. I don't definitely don't think it should have been a red, um, uh, especially considering who the person was. Uh, Kendall Watson is a known provocateur. As a, as a referee, though, Jack you can't ass. take that into account. You well, they know they, no, 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 no. They, they oh, do that. This guy's an asshole. They do that all the time. They, 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 they do scout it all people the time. Know that, but all I, the time. So I just I didn't I thought he was kind of all over the place. I mean I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was terrible. Um, yeah, C C minus. I actually like Nima Sagafi, and uh, I th I thought on on balance, it, like like the game was relatively under control. So I I didn't have too much of a problem with it, but. Um, I, I do think that even if by the letter of the law it is okay to give him a red there, I think from a game management standpoint you don't. I think you see all kinds of contact like that go much, much, much further than that and not get anything, even just a finger wag. So yeah. I, I think there's a consist a broader consistency that comes into play there. Yeah. I give B minus, I guess. Yeah. I would say like if you haven't seen that Zlatan elbow, um, go back and rewatch that because. <laughs> It'll put that whole Mason Toy elbow into context for yeah, you. Ex yeah. <laughs> um, so who who's your player of the game? We'll wrap the we'll wrap this part up real quick. Yeah. Um, well, obviously Bobby fucking Shuttleworth. Uh, the dude stood on his head. Um, he kept them in the game early on, like you mentioned, uh, towards the top of the podcast, um, where they had some very good scoring chances. He kept them alive. That how he kept that ball out of the net uh, in the, was it the. 12th or 13th minute or whatever when that he, he literally he he was behind behind the goal line and he kept the ball out um that was like the third or, or fourth like really great vancouver chance in about five minutes um and then after the team went up um once vancouver figured out that they needed to actually put the ball on target um bobby was there he made some amazing saves especially on that brexhay save um one thing i would like to point out too is like i think this is actually rasmus schuler's best game as a loon okay um he was all over the place he made Really good passes. He didn't have the classic, like, once a game, Rasmus Schuler fuck-up that we're used to seeing. Um, generally, the entire team played really, really well, mm -hmm. I thought. <clears throat> there, wasn't a, there wasn't a particular player um, outside of, you know, one person we'll talk about, shittiest player of the game. <laughs> um, but everybody played, like, generally a pretty good game. Ibsen yeah. wasn't as um, hot or cold. He was more of a medium Ibsen, which is okay, okay you know, if, if – Everybody's playing well. Like there wasn't, and there wasn't the big fuck up that we are one or two fuck ups that we're tone. We tend to see where the other team absolutely capitalizes on that thing. So, yeah. I so I'm gonna I'm gonna bite on Miguel Ibarra. You yeah. know, easy to say because of the goal. But here, here's my thing: the goal was symbolic of something that makes him really valuable. It had this like, oh, Miguel's there kind <coughs> of quality to it, which is yeah. kind of something that he excels at. He plays best when he plays his position fluidly. And I hope that he can continue to have that fluidity now that he's pinned on the right side rather than playing centrally. I don't, yes. know, I don't know if he will or not. A, a real quick note on that that I was thinking about. Having Jerry Thiessen on the right side as a fullback who can play offensively, having him behind Miguel above him who can wander a bit, I think that makes a ton of sense. Miguel can cut in. He can find spaces in places that are not strictly on the, you know, on the chalkboard where he should be. And that's okay because you still have Jerry pushing forward to provide the width there. I think it's more complicated if you play, let's say Miguel was on the left and you have him playing in front of um, Eric Miller, who's a little bit more of a defensive-minded fullback, less likely to push up. Now you've got this problem where if Miguel's going to cut in, Eric Miller is not necessarily behind him providing the width. And so you cut off a lot of a lot of space up there. So I think it makes total sense to have him paired ahead of Jerry. Yes. Whether left or right, because both of them have played both side wing or fullback. Yeah. So I think that makes a ton of sense. And I hope that we don't 
face a lot of injuries like you know we like with Miller I hope that's not long term because I think that throws that a little bit into turmoil you end up having Carter Manley play I think Carter Manley's strengths may be more as a defensive minded fullback now you've got him playing behind Miguel Ibarra and Ibarra either has to stay pinned on the right which is not a strength or he has to cut in we lose the width on the right so Sorry, I, no. fe- I felt like that was going to br- be a brief point, <laughs> and it got really pedantic. No, really that's fast, right. So. <clears throat> the other thing, too, with Ibarra is that he's, he is he knows how to track back and cover, so like, Jerry can make that run forward. Exactly. And he can, he can compensate and, and drop back and, and, and give him the defensive cover that Tieso needs to make a run, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and get himself in a, in, a, in a scoring and offensive position. So. Yeah, they're a pairing that <clears throat> makes sense. Yeah. Um, so who's your worst player of the game? <laughs> You know, we didn't brand this. God damn it. It's yeah, been the, so long yeah, away from was, the podcast. Yeah. That this was is the Freddie Adu Award for the worst player in the game. Yeah, Freddie Adu for the worst player. Um, you know, I guess a toy. You you know, you get it uh, if you don't – if you get a red card because you were an uh, idiot uh, and you don't play the entire 90 minutes as a forward, especially considering – and especially considering how uh, shallow um, what – once was considered a position of strength for Minnesota United was, was the forwards. <laughs> it dried um, up quick. Yeah, it dried up real quick. I mean, I know Christian, we'll talk about the LAFC game. Christian made the trip to LA. Um, I would be very surprised if he sees the field. I, I mean, it sounds like he probably might. Um, I, do, I think well, that's he, probably a terrible he's got fucking family idea. out in LA. He could just true, come and true. But I, it sound, I mean, knowing Christian and, and knowing Heath, he'll probably play it. It's probably not going to be end well for anybody. Um, <clears throat> but especially knowing that the, the forward. Toy had an opportunity here to to put his name in consideration for um, being a, a regular player on the Minnesota eleven, um, being in the eighteen regular, being the first person the first person uh, off the bench, and doing this, you know, getting and then getting the the subsequent you know match ban and all that, just really does not bode well, um, especially with Adrian Heath. Holding grudges like Adrian Heath is known to hold. So, he does, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. I don't think he exactly distinguished himself before the red card either, no. necessarily. So, um, yeah, this game particularly, like, yeah, he he has had some moments in earlier games, but again, he's also shown that he's been he's a very hot-headed kid. So, mm-hmm. I think so. I I had the same name, so I'm not gonna like go into it too much. But I will say that I think mm-hmm. that the <clears> best pairing in the center and up top is to have Darwin Quintero playing off of somebody who can do good hold-up play sure. um, yes. rather than somebody like Abu Dunlady. So um, that's got to be Ramirez, so let's all pray for Ramirez. Um, in the absence of that, I don't know. I think that's a problem. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe it's um, – yeah, we'll talk about that at the LAFC game. Oh, God. <laughs> so let's uh, let's take a step away from that here. Yeah. Um, Cleanse the palate. We've got some other United news. Do you want to read it? Sure. Or do you want my sultry baritone? Uh, on this one? Yeah, let's. Uh, we can just power through here. So Go for ahead. the second week in a row, um, there were two loons who were named to the MLS Team of the Week. Uh, Bobby uh, got a second first team as goalkeeper, and uh, Frankie Calvo got his first uh, first team appearance. Um, Weird Ibarra, who had a, probably a, the best game of any of the loons. We didn't outside, talk about Calvo. Calvo had a yeah. good game too. He had a good game, but he's he, had a shitty year. So yeah, far. He, he had, had a good, good game, game, but I, compared to Ibarra and or Schuler, I just didn't. Oh. I, I wouldn't expect him to be make the first team. But apparently, there was not a ton of defense played in MLS <laughs> this weekend. So not all year, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Uh, so other other United news: No Ibsen on the plane for LAFC. Um, this is actually probably a good thing. He actually leads the team in minutes right now, uh, which I did not realize, and I thought that was insane um but he's taking the taking the 
the midweek off, which is great. Uh, Ramirez did make the trip. Um, no Dunlady uh, due to his ankle and uh, toy for dick punching um, or, you know, chest elbowing. So <clears throat> Ramirez pu- is out in L.A. Wait a minute. How, how can you conflate dick punching it, and chest it, elbowing I think unless he has a gigantic dick and a huge erection? I don't know. It's Kendall Waston. I feel like you just kind of gave Kendall Waston a uh, compliment. Yeah. Well, knows how to knows how to get those calls. So good for you. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we uh, will talk a little bit here. This is our time to talk about the Miller uh, Nicholson trade. Um, obviously, Minnesota got Eric Miller. We also got fifty thousand dollars in GAM. That's the general allocation money. Uh, Colorado got Sam Nicholson. Sam Nicholson actually played. Uh, did you watch the Colorado match from the weekend? No, <laughs> man. I was working on my yard. Yeah. So Sam Nicholson played. He played in more of like a central midfield position. Okay. Um, it was weird seeing him in a more central, a central role. Uh, he didn't really do anything that was blew my mind or is going to make me regret trading Sam Nicholson. Although I was never, I was never the highest person on uh, Sam Nicholson, um, to, you know, for the time being. So, uh, so yeah. So, yeah, so the one thing that we talk about is Minnesota's been trying to get Eric uh, Eric Miller for a while, basically, since before they right. started in MLS. Like, because they knew whole, he had a Minnesota connection, so they yeah, got to go. We that whole go. Joe Greenspan trade, um, they, were trying to get, uh, they were trying to get Eric Miller in that trade or be able to draft Eric Miller, and they just couldn't pull, it, pull the trigger. Obviously, Miller has the Minnesota connections. Um, and, again, I'm not sure exactly how Nicholson fits in with Colorado, uh, but we clearly know that Minnesota – you know, has a has a need where uh, Miller is playing. Um, Miller's a lot younger than Cronin or Birch. Uh, obviously, Minnesota won that trade last year for right, the year. Right. Now, whether they won that trade long term, I mean, I think they probably did because Gat and Saeed are both not. Yeah, in. what have you heard of them? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're um, still won. If Cronin shows up and plays one more game this year, like we've won that trade definitively. <laughs> um, so I, I like the uh, I like the, the like how Minnesota's able, been able to move inside the season. Now I just wish they would do this shit. Uh, in December and January, the when they actually, yeah. you know, can have, Imagine have an impact. So, do you have any thoughts on the Miller Nicholson trade? It was it was um, the right move. Yeah, because we we trade we traded an area of excess for an area of need. Um, I don't think that. Uh, so, there's a lot of things you can say that are qualitative about what Sam Nicholson can do or could do, but I think it's all still potential. Sure. If you look at the score sheet, he's not on it very much. If you look at the passing charts, he's not setting anything on fire. Yep. Uh, and I don't think, even if you are the biggest defender of Sam Nichols, and I don't see how you can argue that he is obviously exponentially better than the other glut of left wingers that we have. It's easy to replace him. It's very, very hard to replace Eric Miller when he goes down. Yeah. So I think it was I think it was absolutely the, oh, there, the there were a lot of assholes on Twitter trying to defend that trade. Or trying to trying to, to knock it down, yeah, knock it down because they love Sammy Nicholson for some the, reason. The only thing there is to love about him is his goddamn smile. Yeah. I'm not trying to say don't love him, <laughs> but I don't understand how this trade doesn't automatically make a ton of sense in 15 different ways. I there's nothing else to say. Yeah, our defense was historically poor, and at least through uh, not this most recent game with Eric Miller, nor the previous game where we finally <clears throat> did decently, we were on a pace on a goals per. To do worse than we did the year before. Oh, yeah. You can put caveats on that about uh, sample size. You can put caveats on about who with the teams we played versus the teams we didn't. But yeah, like Montreal we Impact hadn't played for a couple weeks. Right, right, right. <laughs> we were on a pace to do worse than we did last yeah. year defensively. It's an area of need. Yeah. Fill it. And we yeah. did. So and Eric Miller's only 25. So he's, 
he's not a Sam Cronin near the end of, or Mark Birch near the end of their career probably. Um, you know, Eric Miller's got you know five to seven solid years potentially uh, as a MLS defender. So. Um, and we got Gam. Yeah, we got Gam out of it. So I think we're and we're, I mean we are paying. So, and we saved a shit ton of money. Um, Eric Miller's making like eighty thousand dollars a year, uh, where Sam Nicholson was making like two hundred sixty thousand dollars a year. Uh, I believe that Emma uh, that Minnesota traded. <clears throat> they're paying part of Sam Nicholson's salary this year at least, and okay. they gave him obviously the international spot that Sam Nicholson occupied to help cover that. So there's right. obviously we we gave up a little bit more than just the. Just Nicholson. Um, it was a trade that made a ton of sense. <laughs> but it made a ton of sense. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, final little bit of uh, other United news. Um, Madison, um, we've talked a little bit about this. Um, it seems that Madison is gonna is in line. They are going to be getting a professional soccer team in 2019. Um, everything, there's been a bunch of sort of reports that have hinted around the fact that it's going to be Minnesota United, their USL affiliate. <laughs> I would love whether it if that happened D2 or D3. to keep it in the region. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. So I think it's going to be, I mean, the, all the talk is it's going to be like a D3 USL team because USL is doing their D2, D3 leagues, right? Um, it makes a ton of sense. I've, I've heard from people that I trust that um, if it was going to be in Minnesota, people have talked about Duluth and Rochester as great options, and I think they'd be great options. Everything that I've heard and people that I trust and, and talk to, um, it's, it was either going to be at the sports center up in Blaine, or it's going to be out of the state. They didn't want they don't want those two teams to compete. Um, yeah. I don't. I think the team is smart enough to realize that like people might go up to Blaine for a game or two, but they're not going to. You're not going to get the consistent crowds, the the consistent um, and the consistent revenue of of having it somewhere else. And there's such a market saturation and there. Minnesota is smartly going after the Wisconsin market. Yeah. Like Chicago, Chicago Fire have never done anything in. I mean, there's literally we have we have like Milwaukee Loons and uh, Madison uh, Madison Loons and all that. Like I've I've partied with these guys it, yeah. in Madison up here in the cities. Mm-hmm. They they want soccer, so it makes a it makes a ton of sense. Um, obviously, the Midwest has some soccer history. Mm-hmm. Um, Madison has some soccer history themselves, mm-hmm. uh, and so it makes a ton of sense. If it's not up in Blaine, where they can't, where they can control all the the training and all that, for it to not be in, in the in the cities at all, and Madison is a is a it's four hours away. It's a super quick trip. If you if you have someone down there to re- rehab or whatever, you can get them back really quickly for yeah. a game. Um, you can really get down to Chicago really quick if you need to fly somewhere. So if, like, you're bringing people who yeah. otherwise would be on the fence or completely out of it into the loons. Yes, into the exactly, loons, uh, exactly. Mad- as well, yeah. Madison is a college town. Granted, most of these games are playing in the summer, but you know it's still like I know that. I mean, I, my I have in laws in Madison. The town really does clear out in the summertime, but yeah. there's a lot of people who are who are there. Young families, especially mm-hmm. Madison's a young town. Mm-hmm. Um, so even the people who are there are, are you know are still people with, with young families. You're getting them in connected to the loons uh, early on. Um, Madison makes a shit ton of sense, yep, and I'd be down I'm surprised that. that like we didn't think about this a hell of a lot earlier. Like yeah. I know everybody was talking about Rochester and Duluth, and you know like, well, Rochester would be great. Um, let's just let 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 the MPSL live there. Let the sure. let, you know the semi-professional soccer. Um, let those leagues th- uh, thrive there. Build that up, and we can we can also sort of quarter the the Wisconsin market as well. So I'm in. Cool. All right, that's all the other United news. Um, just briefly, we're gonna you know 
if you are just listening to this podcast for the first time, both Dave and I are uh, big Liverpool fans. Yep. Um, missed you at the at the semi the semifinal matches, man. I know I was, you had some I more stuff. Fo- at least I was following one. the little goal dot com uh, like match tracker it was, at work. Yeah, I had a I so you I got a little fucking Roma e there for a little. While. I thought <laughs> they were gonna. It got uh, very it got very jittery. Um, it was an amazing two legs. Yeah. Um, Highest scoring uh, two leg uh, series in Champions yeah, League history. And I, I uh, so I I typically watch in St Paul. I watch at the B Dubs in St Paul. Um, I had we had like fifteen people for the first leg and like. 12 people for the second leg, like just friends of ours who came and watched the games. Um, it was fun. Uh, just We are actually going to so the, the, the final. So Liverpool is playing Real Madrid in uh, Kiev. Unfortunately, the Daves are not going to be able to go to Kiev unless someone wants to bankroll that. Wink. He's looking at me right Wink. now. <laughs> um, it's, I, I was actually looking at tickets. It's like $1,100 just to get to Kiev, and it's like a – like a 48 hour flight so like you have to like your like layovers and stuff like yeah it would take two days to get to kiev i don't like soccer that much yeah exactly well <laughs> anyways soccer kind of sucks this is actually taking place it. on may 26th um it's the the saturday the, the minnesota's playing montreal that night um in in minneapolis um and so uh, the Dubliner actually the place where we a lot of uh, there's a pre pre-match party every every home match at the Dubliner, um, they're going to be hosting a Champions League party as well ahead of ahead of the match. Uh, Champions League final kicks off at 1:45 our time, so it's going to be a really, really long day. It's a weekend game, right? What's that? It's, yeah, it's it's weekend. weekend Saturday, right? Yeah, Saturday. Sa- uh, Saturday I'm the 26th. Be able to go to it. <clears throat> yeah. So. I don't so yeah. So much soccer. Join the uh, yeah. You don't join the Daves uh, to watch the uh, Champions League final uh, at the Dubliner. Uh, May 26th. Uh, we'll talk about it again the next couple weeks. We still have a couple weeks to get there. Uh, and then yeah, then it's basically the, then it just rolls into pre-party for Minnesota United playing Montreal, a game they should win as well. So It should hang five on Montreal. Yes, yes. Awesome. So. Champions League final. Cool. Go Liverpool. We got it. Uh, next is a recurring little series that we have, that we had until yeah. <laughs> we uh, decided that we need to get our lives together. Yes. Uh, better know Alun. Who yeah. are we going to better know today? We are going to get uh, to better know Darwin Quintero. Ooh, yes. That was a Spanish yeah. guitar. <laughs> That's my loon call. Uh, that so sounded <clears> like <throat> the fucking Arrested <throat> Development, like the... Like the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's coming back in a couple of weeks, too. Did you see yeah, that? Season yeah, season five, yeah. yeah. Anyways, all right, so let's, let's better know uh, Darwin Quintero. Uh, if he ever wants to come on this podcast and refute any of these facts, he's more than welcome to. Uh, happy to have him. Yep. But uh, until he does, these are uh, true Darwin Quintero facts. Yep. So first fact is uh, Darwin Quintero has 14 Colombian national team appearances, and he has discovered zero species. It's not That's good. From a, from a designated player, you expect Yeah, more. no, at least one species. At least one. Especially with a name like Darwin. Yeah. Right? You got to. His Have name is like a specious claim. Yeah, one one species. Um, cool. Uh, Quintero has a goal this, in this year's champ, CONCACAF Champions League. Um, obviously, wrote this before the <laughs> Champions League was yeah, over. Yeah. Um, he also has a goal of being very present for Adrian Heath's halftime talks. You can He's see very present. You can see him zoned in. Yeah. There's a look in his eyes. Locked says, in. I'm vaguely listening. Um, He's listed as so Darwin is listed as uh, five feet six and a half inches on his Wikipedia. But come on, let's be serious. That's how fucking tall I am. Yeah, 
He's shorter than he's, us. He's not as towering as I am. <laughs> no, he's we ta- we are we he are is, twin towers compared a, to Darwin Quintero. Yeah. He is a wee man. Yeah. Quintero uh, scored his first league MX goal for Santos Laguna against Chivas in 2009. Thanks, Obama. Yeah, yeah. sincerely. Yeah, I was appreciate. That was, that was very nice of him. Quintero yeah. uh, won two Concacaf Champions League titles, which is two more than any team in MLS has ever won. That's not a joke. That's, that's just, just a. a those are, that's just a fact. Yeah, these are just facts. They're not. Are you reading doing, facts? I'm not yeah. doing jokes here. I'm just doing facts. That's good. Uh, and then last fact: Quintero uh, scored in his first match after transferring to Club America. He also nut-punched Hercules Gomez, much to the happiness of everyone who has known of or heard Hercules Gomez Hercules Gomez speak. I, I don't... You know what? I'm going to double down on that. I don't care for Hercules Gomez <laughs> fucking at all, ever. The so, fact that he ended up playing with Seattle didn't help. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's better than a loon, Darwin Quintero edition, so... <laughs> I'm going to start making that sound every time we do that. No. I can't do that. I can't do the Rich Harrison... Neo Logan loon calls that they do. Oh, I don't know how they <laughs> fucking do that. Yeah, yeah, they roll, they roll the tongue or something. I don't know. Yeah, I can't stand Neil's uh, fucking whistling. Oh yeah, man, I was, I was uh, helping him out with a silver lining event a couple weeks ago, and uh, him and Rich were whistling back and forth oh, across, so the, across the goddamn across the goddamn field. Nah, I, don't I wanted care to strangle that. both of them, but I didn't. Those guys are not good. Yeah, all right, no, they're, uh, they're amazing, but that's a that they're not good. is really <laughs> fucking annoying. <laughs> Let's uh, all right. So we got that out of the way. We got two matches to preview. Ooh. Let's uh, be mindful of time. Yes. Let's let's uh, power through here. Let's so. power. So first uh, tomorrow I mean, night, and by tomorrow night, I mean tonight. Right now, tonight, when you're listening, or fucking yesterday, <laughs> depending on when you listen to this, we're gonna play the Los Angeles FCs. Uh, tell me, with the Los Angeles FCs, who's good? I think we can be a little bit lengthier on these guys because the other team kind of sucks balls. So. Um, so I mean, what is there to say about San Jose that hasn't already been <laughs> fucking scrawled into every bathroom exactly. stall and men's room exactly. across the country? So who's good on LAFC? I mean, listen, they've got some uh, big name players. You can't uh, read Bob, their roster. Yeah, Bob Bradley um, has done. He just knows how to win matches. He shows up. He knows how to build an expansion. Yeah, he knows how to build too. a roster. Yeah, he did it in Chicago. He did it here. Not enough um, credit given. I was reminded a couple of days ago that uh, he played a role in Mo Salah's development as well. Sure, yeah, in Egypt. Yeah. Yep. So um Steven Betashore, um uh just wins soccer matches wherever he goes. And to fa- think that Minnesota United had an opportunity to draft him uh two years ago, uh in the expansion draft is fucking terrible. Don't um Carlos Vela is probably is probably one of the best Mexican players right now. Um Come on, don't use that fucking term. Which yeah. is a, you yeah. can't be fucking throwing around slurs like that. <laughs> Uh, he's definitely better than Chicharito. It's not so Mexican. It's <laughs> Doesn't Mexican feel like a bad word? It does. Look like he's <laughs> such a Mexican. Yeah, he's from I Mexico. Mean, yeah, uh, and Sorry. they just got Louis, Lee Win, um, who you know we had talked. He knows how to win. Yeah, he knows how to win. And actually, he doesn't because he played for the New England Revolution. So oh yeah, that's true. he does yeah. not know how to win. No, he doesn't. Uh, at least not uh, till this year. No. Um, but Lee, Lee Win, um, depending on where he plays, I mean, he he got about 17 minutes in their last match. Um, where he lines up with that team. Uh, you know he's a he's a solid goal scorer. I mean Minnesota uh, saw that firsthand last year when they got what two goals scored by Lee went against them, and uh, those man buns in New England. So we'll see. You know I think there's they have a lot of they have a lot of good especially a lot of good attacking pieces. Um, so that's who is good on LAFC. How about right. I, I'm you not anybody s- else, Tad? Yeah, I'm not gonna say all the same names that you just said, but I will say they're all front six names. That's yes. for sure. Carlos Villa has five goals this year. Diego Rossi has four goals and five assists. Now, 
at yeah, about I didn't even the talk about Rossi. 20, 25% mark, four goals and five assists are MVP caliber numbers. Now, it's not good enough to succeed in the Audi Player Index, uh, He's which he's, I don't even think he's top five. By the way, the winner of the Audi Player Index gets a one-year lease on an Audi. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned that yes, a thousand we, times on this podcast. About that many times. Um, you already mentioned names. Uh, actually, uh, Rossi, uh, we, we mentioned has five assists. Marco uh, Urania also has five assists. Yeah. Both of those guys are tied for second place in assists in the league. Yeah. So they've got, and we're not even talking about guys like Benny Failhaber. Yeah, who Urania may or may out not, though. I may think or may not even start. So yeah. like, like obviously the front six is stacked. The question becomes, who sucks? Yeah. Well, I mean, their defense is not good. Um, they are, you know, LAFC is right now second in the West uh, in the MLS table. They've allowed 14 goals in eight matches, which is 1.75 goals per game. Um, Minnesota is as good as they are, averaging yeah. two points per game. And by points, I mean, you know, points yeah, on the table. Two points, yeah, points That's on the table. That's a hell of a poor defense for that kind yeah, of total. Yeah, and they've only scored 18 goals. So they've, they've obviously like when they lose it, when they, when, you know, when LFC tends to lose, they tend to lose big. That's kind of the thing. Um, like, so when they, when I'll it's sort of that same that. problem that Minnesota has, like they allow an early goal and then the floodgates open and they just kind of get uh, wrecked. Um, Minnesota has only allowed 16 goals in nine games at 1.78 uh, goals per game. So um, they're just they're Minnesota's not that much worse. And considering three weeks ago when we we're taught where everybody was, Losing their shit about them being the worst, the worst defense ever again in MLS. Um, like I said, Betashore is very good. He is old. Walker Zimmerman has just lost, lost it. I don't understand what happened to that guy. He was talked about as like the future center back for the U.S. Men's National the US Team. Then he was Dallas. Then he was on the bench in Dallas. Uh, got traded and is just again. He keeps getting. It could be a confidence thing. I hope. I, I you know I hope he figures it out, but. Um, but he's traded for basically nothing over the over the winter, mm-hmm. uh, and has just been not stellar for LEFC. So, I mean, where Minnesota can attack is obviously that back line. <coughs> That's you know you can say that about most MLS teams though. So yeah, so the the defense obviously is worse than the offense. <laughs> so in goals allowed, they're middling or, or worse, um, and. A few key games. They allowed three goals against LA. They allowed uh, five. The other LA. They allowed five goals against Atlanta, and they allowed three goals against fucking Montreal. So the goals are there to be had. Um, in my opinion, the left side is weaker than the right. We talked about. So basically, here's what I'll say: someone like Jordan Harvey at left back and Lawrence Simon, they're paling in comparison to Walker Zimmerman, who's, who's got opportunities. Yeah. And Stephen Bateshore. Right. Yeah. The left side for them is clearly the worst side, in, in my opinion. Now, their defensive midfield position is still a bit unsettled. I think uh, tomorrow night, tonight, yesterday, we are likely to see uh, like a 20-year-old Edward uh, Atuesta, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly, Atuesta making uh, like only his second MLS start. Um, at the number six, so not even just the defense, but also the shield in front of the defense is an opportunity, mm-hmm. and that translates obviously into how United needs to attack here. Yeah, well, I mean that left side being being the weakest side bodes well for uh, Miguel Ibarra and Jerry if, if, right, the, right. if those two are playing do, together. Yeah. Um, create those overload situations. Ibarra can there. attack. Yeah, create the overloads. One thing actually I would like to point out um, for talking about how United should play them is something that we talked about before we started recording the podcast is that. <clears throat> the Western Conference is so bad this year. It is. Like, it's ridiculously, bad. ridiculously bad. Um, and then, so, I, I mean, I honestly think, and I was thinking about it, about the, 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 the wins that Minnesota has. Um, those wins against Chicago and, and Orlando could be huge in 
in the towards the end of the, of the season. So I think legitimately in this Western Conference, Minnesota is a legitimate playoff contender. Like I think they'll be around the red line all year. It's like the Twins winning in this, the AL Central, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you made it, but it's the AL Central. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think three points in in against Eastern Conference teams is going to be huge. Anytime you can get three points against a team you play once a year, it's going to be absolutely huge. Um, which is, I think, is why, like, I th- honestly think a good strategy in MLS is that you, like, especially on the road against Eastern Conference teams, if you're a Western Conference team, you should just go for broke. You should go for three points sure. or zero points. It doesn't matter. You're not handing points to a Western yeah. Conference. Foe. It doesn't matter if you get one point against uh, Orlando. Like right. it, that's nothing. It's 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 worthless. Right. But if you get three points, that's huge. Absolutely. Um, whereas your strategy against Western Conference teams should be on the road. You should obviously you would love to get three points, but you get at least a point because you're taking points right. away from those Western Conference teams, especially those teams that are going to be in contention for the playoffs, like LAFC. So that brings me to the point. Um, about how we should play them. Obviously, mm-hmm. we've talked about this many times, and we, I think we're both in agreement that we that this team is a, is a um, actually a, a countering team, but in disguise. Wearing a possession team yeah. mask. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. Um, especially against LA, especially even that has. I mean, they have the they have some firepower. Um, Diego Rossi is no joke. Carlos Vela is no joke. I mean, your Marco Urena is is probably out uh, tomorrow. But they still have a ton of attacking talent on this team. Um, Minnesota needs to be needs to play their their best defensive game of the year, which I think they they didn't Got even they haven't momentum. really played that in the last couple of games. Even the games against Vancouver and Houston, you know they they, they didn't allowed seventeen shots against Vancouver. <coughs> yeah, against Vancouver they they allowed it. They allowed a shit ton of shots. They didn't make the big mis- like the big glaring mistake that they normally make. Mm-hmm. Um, but the defense needs to be better. It needs to be more organized um it needs to be more compact uh, and it can't allow that that just god awful error that they make um honestly i think you know we, we see toy out uh with down Laddie out i'm guessing ramirez is probably going to start just because adrian heath just can't get away from um you know his formation of having and having a striker up there mm-hmm. if he if you know ramirez doesn't start <coughs> maybe he comes in a, a, as a uh, you know later in the game I would expect to see Quintero up top and sort of maybe mm-hmm. maybe even more of a false nine roll. Maybe, you know, maybe a 4-3-3 three, three even in some capacity. Um, but I think this team is going to bunker. They, I mean, what the team should do is they should bunker. Um, they should hope to nick a goal in transition just like they did against Vancouver when they went down a man, um, you know, with springing, you know, Quintero springing Gomez um, and then making some making a run and hopefully nicking a goal, maybe early, maybe it opens the floodgates, maybe LAFC opens up defensively and we can get two or three. Um, but I think this team should be shooting for bunkering, getting a goal. Maybe it's you know maybe it's in the 30th minute, maybe it's in the 70th minute. But then they can sort of switch back to that um, the defensive formation that uh, Heath used at, towards the end of the game, that 5-3-1, which we, you know obviously if nobody gets a red card, would be a 5-3-2, mm-hmm. and would work for them. So that's what I think we should be doing. Do the- you read my fucking notes, man. I I, I don't have Sorry. too much. To, no, it's perfect. That's, I I don't have too much to add to that. I think it'd be great if Ramirez is healthy. I think that um, if we end up playing a bunker and counter style, which I think might be. I mean, we're on the road. We're playing an obviously really good team with a great offense. We don't have a great defense, so I I don't think this is the opposite of going for three, quote yeah. unquote. You know, I think this might be the best way to three. Put a bunch of guys behind the ball and try to break on the counter. Now, if Ramirez is out. 
this might be an okay game for him to be out. It depends on whether Dunlady is healthy or obviously Toy can't play. So, you know, it, it, there's a lot of things to think about there. But um, it might be okay if there's, like, say, a Dunlady that you're breaking on a counter because you want that speed. I still think that hold-up play is important for countering because everybody's trying to play catch-up with you. Sure. Um, but I think it still could be okay then. Um, one thing that we haven't really talked about much is uh, Franz Pengop. Hmm. Um, could find a way in there. So, yeah. you, you know, it, it could be a situation where, yes, you have um, Quintero playing up top because he's he's played a striker as much as he played any other role in his career. Yeah. You've got Gomez out left. You've got Ibarra out right. Uh, or, excuse me, you've got Panga playing out right, which if you look at his sweet, sweet highlight video, you'll know he's largely played out right in his career. Uh, and then maybe you move uh, uh, Ibarra actually back to that center role that he was playing before Quintero showed up, uh, that might be a good option for a front four if we're really lacking at that striker depth. But in terms of tactics, <laughs> pin their left side. That means uh, that means our right attacking side. Yep. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, Minnesota ideally is, is looking to get out of here healthy um, with a goal of getting seven points in their next three home matches. Right. The next three matches are at home. They need to get at least seven points in those three matches. And, if you're going <coughs> to – right, you're looking to get out of here unscathed, yeah. which also, if you're looking for a throwaway game to try a dude like Pangop, you couldn't do better than this. Yeah. It's a game we're not supposed to win on the road against uh, – uh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking throw Pangop out there. Yeah. Worst thing that <laughs> okay. happens is he sucks. Yeah. So, okay, so let's uh, – what's your score? I have LAFC winning 5 to nothing. It's not good. <laughs> no, it's uh, not. I don't expect this to go well. Let's put it that way. Okay. I, uh, yeah, which just sucks because, you know, it's my wife's birthday tomorrow, and, and you like I will to be watching nice the game. Yeah, well, I, she won't be there because the game kicks off at, like, 9.30. That's way – Oh, that's right. It's like an yeah. hour past her bedtime. But, yeah, she it's going to be – She does go to bed at a very adult time. Yeah, she does. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be good. How about what do you got? I, I've got three to one loss. Okay. So LAFC three, Minnesota United one. I think we'll keep it realistic, mm -hmm. but I think what's really going to happen is – LA is going to score two goals early, and then the game state changes where LA is like, "Well, we're playing on short rest and stuff, so we're going to yeah, kind of they got a and they got a big game. The foot off the gas. They got a big game up uh, coming up on Sunday too, so they want exactly. You know, so, so. and that's when Minnesota starts. So we've seen that before. Minnesota looks like a second half team. <laughs> the reason they look like a second half team so often is because the other team kicked their ass in the first half. Yeah, and, and they the foot off the yeah, gas. Yeah, exactly. That's, well, that's so let's stop talking about it as a second half team. Yeah. What we really are is a when other teams stop trying team. Yeah. Speaking of other teams uh, stopping to trying and us making look making us look like a second half team, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good. That's a good, that's San mean? Jose that's, stopped trying, yeah, for the whole season. That's apparently. what we in the business call a transition, my that's friend. A great transition. Um, Talk about them. Yeah, San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, who's good? Uh, no, nobody. Well, it's they're not they're not good right now. Flo Rida. Let's, let's put it this way. Florian um, Jungworth. Uh, yes, he's on my list. Danny Hosen also has been a thorn Don't in get Minnesota the fuck side. Out of here. And he's, been, Danny he's been a thorn in Minnesota's side. How many goals did Danny Hoisen, as I will always pronounce it, yeah, score, uh, score against us in that opener? Two. How many goals does he have this season? Two. He's three. Three, okay. Three, just three. Yeah, he's got three goals against Minnesota. I, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I need to say this <laughs> because you've introduced this opening. I have to say this, and I'm so sorry. At the beginning of the season, everyone was lapping it up about what San Jose had done in the offseason. Sure. They went this whole European move, this nor northern European yep. move. They were saying they're going to do big things this year, and I saw people making dark horse predictions about Danny Hoisen for Golden <laughs> Boot. Yep. Now, in our season preview, I was like, let's pump the brakes on this. 
They've made a ton of transition. It's going to take time for them to get up to speed with all these new players. They've even got an entirely new coaching staff and stuff like this. Now, they beat us at the opener, and ever since then, they've gone loss, 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 draw, draw, loss, yeah. loss, loss. They've got Poison has three goals and two assists. is not a bad total, but no. only two of those goals came against us. The yes. rest of it, they fucking sucked. Yeah. I feel completely redeemed about <laughs> you that are, prediction at the beginning of the you season. You are vindicated. Like Yeah, like you said, they've got... Since they beat us, they've got two points of possible 21 points. They are a bad team. They're not and good. Hoisin is not the guy. He's, he's, been, he's not going to win the Golden Boot. No, no. I'm not saying. But I'm, but I'm saying who's been good against Minnesota. He's been good against Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota is the I antidote yeah, that he, yeah. or the, the thing that he needs. Maybe we um, get him hot. I don't know. He scored against us la at the end of the year last year. Uh, you mentioned uh, Florian Youngworth. He's obviously also been a thorn in Minnesota's side. And has been probably their best player this year. Which is not saying a ton about San Jose. Well, can I say another thing about yeah. Florian Jungworth then? Um, he's my favorite player on the Quakes. He's a great center back who can play defensive midfielder. He can even get forward, score some goals, which he's done against us also. Yep. Um, now, after their last game, he said in an interview of their tactics, quote, it's youth soccer what we play, to be honest. That is brutally honest shit. Honest enough that the team itself actually took all that interview stuff down off of the, the interwebs. <laughs> so he's he, he has the same feeling a lot of people have about what they do. Now, he's separately said that he feels that the coaches are doing, like, round-the-clock preparation and that the players are not doing as much. So the team as a whole has problems, even, like, locker room problems. He seems to have lost a lot of confidence in what they're doing there. But there's no doubt. I think I think he's their best player. Sure. I, unless yep. you're called Wondolowski, who's like obviously an MLS great, but Wondolowski no. has one goal and one assist. Wondolowski this year, is, so. is hot garbage, and he he's, is part of the, what sucks for San Jose. <laughs> you know, he was gonna hit a wall at some point. Maybe yeah. this is the year. He eight straight seasons with ten goals or more. Eight consecutive seasons with ten or more goals yeah. for Wondolowski. So easy to pick on him, but those numbers speak yeah. for themselves. He's got one goal and one assist. Yeah, this year he's so been far. he's been recently demoted to the bench. I think he started the last week, um, but yeah, he he hasn't been starting. And considering That's, the fact that the team is is really shitty, um, the fact that he's not yeah. starting says a lot. Father time is um, undefeated so yeah. far. Vaco has cooled down dramatically. Uh, he had a really, he had an amazing debut uh, DP season coming in midway through the season last year, and he's dramatically cooled down. Um, you know, Minnesota, like I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, Minnesota was on pace for more goals allowed than last year. Um, their defense has started stepping up, actually. Actually, San Jose is on track to give up 78 goals uh, in a season. They're averaging a two-goal uh, per game uh, allowed pace. And they're not even the worst team in MLS no, <laughs> right now. No. Um, so Montreal, this team, I think, is letting oh god, goals, they, they're right? yeah, they've given up 23 goals uh, in nine games, um, <laughs> same number of games as Minnesota, <laughs> like a joke. and uh, seven more goals uh, wow. allowed. So okay. yeah, they're it's a whole it's a whole thing over in Montreal. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in terms of who sucks for San Jose, they're they're outside of Florian Youngworth, that back line is is hot garbage and. He, back, you know, goes back and forth between playing more of a central defensive mid and playing in that sort of center back yeah, position. Depending on the needs there. Yeah. Right. Like, he plays more in that center back position when he's much more like a cowboy and probably should be more of a defensive, uh, central defensive midfielder getting into the attack a little bit more. But. I wonder if he could play fullback and get forward. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know what his fullback skill set is. Um, there's plenty of people that suck. Let me throw out some names you haven't thrown out. Jackson Uel and Anibal Godoy. I don't <laughs> okay. think that I don't hate them, but they should not be your choice. So so they they've been playing a four four two lately, a pretty flat four four two. So that puts these two guys, these two fucks, 
in the center of the field. They don't have a number 10. Now, you, you don't have to have a number 10. You don't, your formation, your tactics don't need a number 10. But neither of those two guys are providing the creative spark in the center of the field that they actually need to activate dudes like Wondolowski and the two wingers. who Their, their best players, other than Florian Jungwirth, are probably on the wings. Vako, sure. you said, has yep. cooled off, but he's still a DP and he can still do it. Yep. Uh, Magnus Eriksson on the right side, who's an off-season acquisition, he's got okay numbers. He's got an okay haul so far. But they're not activating anything. It's all they have is on the wide, uh, out wide, because you got this really young project in Jackson UL, and you've got Anibal Godoy, who I, I'm just, I guess, not a Godoy fan. So yeah. fine. So that's a big problem too. Uh, their right side of their defense is more opportune than their left. Obviously, Florian playing on the left side of the center back. Shea Salinas is. I don't hate Shea Salinas as a left back, but on the the right side, fucking blows for the defense. So exact opposite of LAFC if we're trying to pick a focal point at which we can attack let's attack their right side of the defense <laughs> our, our left side of the attack and let's not be afraid to hang out in the middle of the field a little bit because they really don't have a strong yeah. enough, uh, uh, presence in the middle of the field this is a this is a great game for Alexi Gomez uh, and Ibsen to get heavily involved uh, in their in the in, in Quintero for that matter to get yeah. involved and, and move the ball around I wonder who's the optimal for us the optimal left back than in that situation. Let, let's let's assume that Eric Miller is healthy. I don't know if he, he's questionable as of the last time I read. Sure. So do you move Thiessen to the left side, who's probably a better attacking fullback in general, but is has said himself he's a better attacker on the right side than he is on the left side. He's better yeah. at defending on the left side. Um, how do you take advantage of that opportunity on our left attacking side with a fullback to provide some width? I'm wondering who's the right name. Other than Calvo, but that would be an experiment, really. Yeah, I mean know? that would that would that would be an interesting experiment. Um, Miller, I mean Miller can get maybe, maybe get up I'm and get up and get into the play. I mean, I think that the what you would I think what you'd want to do if, if presuming Miller's healthy, I think you want Miller out there. I think you you ex, like explicitly tell him like we want you to get up into the attack. Um, you make sure that Calvo and Boxall. Uh, and TSO know know that so that they right. know so to they come back and cover pivot, yeah. and pivot and cover and you know maybe this is a uh, maybe this is actually a perfect game for like like uh, Max uh, Maxi, uh, Maximiano and Ibsen right maybe Schuler sure. gets a rest um, Ibsen is more of a, an attacking mid uh, Maximiano is more of that defensive mid he's able to Ibsen also, will have fresh legs not yes. playing midweek Maximiano will be able to sit back and help help cover um, help cover Miller. Uh, when Miller's needs to get up and provide the width that you're talking about, I mean, maybe you need to change the, the the actual that position. Maybe you need to think about who you are putting in sort of that in that you know number six role. Maybe you know Maximiano and giving him, or maybe it's a Colin Warner. Although Colin Warner's apparently in, in we haven't seen Colin Warner in almost all like, all year. I don't think maybe one game. Like maybe he's yeah. he maybe he took that Brent Col or the uh, Barra role in the uh, Adrian Heath uh, right. wife sex tape thing. So let <laughs> me. Um, <coughs> Let me throw out one sure. totally wild idea. You pull Alexi Gomez back to play the left back, a position he has played before. Sure, yeah. He's playing that. Obviously, he can get forward in the attack because he's playing left wing for us right now. Uh, and then you can, for instance, move Vibara over to the left side, a position that he's played certainly plenty often himself uh, to be the actual wing. And you bring in my boy... Franz Pankov <laughs> over on the you right are, uh, side. That should be the name of the... the 
of the, the fucking Pangop experience boy, over yeah. here. Uh, Anyways, so all right, quick, quick, I, ignore yeah. the Pangop comment, but it would be interesting to move Alexi Gomez back into that. If sure. you needed an attacking presence in the left back, and you did, maybe I'm maybe I'm too down on Eric Miller's getting forward ability as a fullback. Maybe I need to chill out on that. But I it's, mean, that could be a possibility. That's true. That's fair. I I think part of it is because he hasn't had to. He hasn't really had to do that in Colorado because he was never asked to do that in Colorado, right? Well, that's not His what Colorado whole, does. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're Vancouver, except they don't counter. The they're whole just, point, the whole point, sit. yeah, the whole point of Colorado is, is to sit in bunker. And yeah. Miller has said that in, in interviews and stuff, um, basically saying that you know, like people, you know, especially that was actually one of the big things when the Miller Nicholson trade was like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't score, he doesn't get assists or whatever. It's like that's because that's never what he was asked to do. Sure. Maybe Miller can do that. We just don't know, All right? right. I'll, so I'll lay off Miller. And but I'm, but I'm saying, like, I I don't necessarily disagree that like, but I think you maybe need to tell him. You need to like, convey to him like we, this is where we can attack. This is where we can actually make a difference. We need you to get uh, up and do this. So, um, so yeah, I know I don't disagree. I. I really from I what I want to see from this this game is Minnesota go out and punch somebody in the fucking face. Yeah. Um, they haven't done that in a game. Toy does uh, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> yeah, they haven't done that in a game to a, a to a team where they they literally go out and punch them in the face, get a lead in the first ten minutes, and yeah. just and just rail on them, uh, beat a team down since the DC uh, game in July. We've when they won four nothing, even our wins have been really tight buttholes. Yeah, or like, or yeah. they give up the first goal, and then yeah, then like maybe they score and they score a couple more after that. But it's like it's always like when's that goal coming? Like right. that DC game in July of last year, they went out, they punched DC in the face. I think they scored like in the seventh minute. They scored again like the thirtieth minute, and there's like you just knew from the from the get go that Minnesota was winning that game. Uh, we haven't seen that from this Minnesota team yet this no. year, and it'd be really San Jose is the perfect team to do that against. So team on its back right yeah. now so what's your what's your scoreline prediction um i think us i think we get i think we get the win i think we let our foot off the gas in the second half and give up a goal i think we win three to one i've got uh, a two to San one Jose. okay two to one i hope you're right yeah all, all right, right so let's let's move on then we're, so we're gonna get a win in the next week sure and we know that because we're uh, gonna get at least one win are correct in the next week we're always right yeah so uh let's let's turn our attentions as we always do away from uh, the games coming up uh it's been a long podcast we got a lot of content so let's move real quickly through the picks or it didn't happen obviously we don't have picks from last week sure we took a little yeah. hi- a little hiatus we're yeah. back now so let's make some picks so for, yeah uh, the so other this games is around week, the league. somewhere either week 11 or week eight depending on <laughs> you what your mls team is so yeah yeah um, all right, so let's, we're, we have a, we have a slew of uh, midweek games. This is actually a really this is actually a really good week it's for a soccer good week. and MLS. So, it's a good week. Um, we have the Columbus Crew, uh, future Austin Crew, playing the Philadelphia <laughs> Union. Um, I have a two-one Crew win uh, in Columbus. What do you got? I've got Austin winning one to nothing <laughs> uh, in, it, in Columbus. In Columbus, yeah. Um, <laughs> Austin playing yeah. that weird Puerto Rico game. Yeah, in, uh, a, uh, a tantalizing uh, top of the West versus top of the East matchup. Atlanta United uh, hosting Sporting Kansas City. Not, I only, not only are they top, these are offensive juggernauts. Yes, uh, which we don't normally say about Sporting Kansas City. But, and, uh, you know, congratulations to Peter Vermees for getting that uh, contract extension. Um I know he just didn't really want that U.S. men's national team job. So who would want that? <laughs> no god, albatross. it's a terrible job. Uh, I have Atlanta United winning three to two. How about you got? <laughs> I, I didn't even know what to make of this. I just put a five <laughs> to five tie. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> I hope it is. Yeah, that would be an amazing that, game. That would be an amazing game. Yes. Right. Um, a rematch of uh, the uh, MLS Cup last year and two and teams that are sh- struggling this year. Uh, yeah. Toronto FC versus Seattle Sounders. I have a 1-1 draw up Tor- in Toronto. D- Toronto can fix their problems. 
uh, and they they have so many games in hand over teams in front of them. Sure. Seattle's problems are very genuine. Um, I got Toronto winning up in Toronto, three to nothing over the Sounders. All right, uh, the Chicago Fire uh, hosting uh, that really shitty defensive team, the Montreal Impact. This is the bad game. A lot of good games this week. Yeah. This is not one of them. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I have the Fire uh, beating the Montreal Impact four to two in Bridgeview. Uh, I got one to one. All right. Uh, we talked about LAFC already. I have a five nothing loss for Minnesota United. <laughs> you did. I had a three to one tie. Or okay, a three to one tie. Let's hope it works three out. Way. I'm sorry. A three to one loss tie. to LAFC. Uh, and then uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. This is the uh, other ones. Last Wednesday night game, uh, hosting the Houston Dynamo. Uh, I have the Dynamo winning uh, in Houston, two to one. The Vancouver team is just really, really is, bad. Is Houston the home team? Uh, no, Houston's the road team. Okay, yeah. maybe I misheard you then. Um, Houston is great at home and maybe not great on the road. I've got a 0-0 draw, though, here. Vancouver, I don't know what the fuck yeah. to make out of that. Vancouver, yeah. Um, Minnesota United hosts San Jose, obviously, uh, the 1 o'clock game on Saturday. Uh, we already mentioned I have uh, them winning 3-1. to one. You have them winning 2-1. to one. Is that correct? That's right. Yep. All right. Uh, FC Dallas host LA Gal or sorry I skipped one Montreal Impact host the Philadelphia Union. Um, I have another high scoring game a three to two Impact win over the Union. I have the exact same scoreline. This will be a high scoring game. It will not be a good game. No, it's gonna be messy as hell. FC Dallas was the last team to lose uh, a uh, match in MLS. Every team in MLS has lost a uh, lost a match already this year, which is normally that goes to like the you know 16th week where someone loses. Uh, FC Dallas lost. they're the last teams to lose, I believe. They're hosting LA Galaxy. This LA Galaxy team is in trouble and not good again. And I have FC Dallas winning one to nothing in spite of Zlatan. I got Galaxy winning one to nothing because Galaxy are better on the road than at home. <laughs> Galaxy are somehow terrible at home. I still don't understand it. Sure. Okay. Um, the Revolution hosts Toronto FC. I have the Revolution winning two to one over Toronto in Boston. Revolution will not be televised. Toronto FC wins two to one. All right. Uh, Columbus Crew hosting their second match of the week against the Chicago Fire. I got a 1-1 draw in Columbus. Uh, Austin going to win 2-1 to over the Fire in Columbus. All right. Uh, RSL hosts uh, D.C. United. Uh, D.C. United, again, uh, not a ter- not a very good team. Um, they're Real Salt Lake has had some problems. Real Salt Lake's had some problems. Uh, D.C. United, RSL's problems are not uh, – they're fixable. D.C. United's problems are fixable by bringing in Wayne Rooney. Um, I think <laughs> RSL wins 3-1. to one. I uh, – I've got a uh, RSL win three to one too. I, yeah. I I have hope that RSL as a program and as a club and as a team is can do the right things to turn around. I think that infrastructurally they're they're really sound. Yes, and I have faith that they can turn things around. Sure. Uh, the Crapids host the Red Bulls. I have two one Red Bulls over Colorado. Um, I I, just, I don't know how to pick a Colorado Rapids win. I just want to see a Red Bulls uh, three to one over Colorado. Sure. Uh, Cascadia Cup, Timbers versus Sounders oh, up in game. Portland. Uh, yes, I think this will be a very good game. I think this ends in a two-two draw. Uh, yeah, Sounders are too bad. I, I, I got Timbers winning two to two to nothing over the Sounders at home. And um, watch for the Tifo as as the Tifo chair. I'm uh, always interested in what Tifo's yeah. going on. Always good when these two teams get. Timbers together. aren't very good either though right now, man. Both these teams are below the no, red line. Not, but man, yeah. Sounders though. Yeah, I know. Um, all right. Uh, Orlando City, uh, surprising, uh, surprising team. Um, not really when you look at their roster, but considering how they started the season, six uh, straight wins. Yeah, they are hosting Atlanta United uh, down in Orlando. Um, I have Orlando City knocking off Atlanta United uh, by a score of three to one in Orlando. Atlanta's too good. Uh, Orlando's uh, a- Atlanta is too good. Orlando is due for a loss. Two to one win for Atlanta. All right. 
And then finally, the LAFC second home game of the ma of the week uh, on Sunday. They host NYCFC. This is a NYC good match. NY yes, it is. It's gonna be a very good match. NYCFC coming off of a getting their ass handed to them by the Red Bulls last weekend. Um, I still think in cross country, I think they lose three to two to LAFC. Close, but no cigar. I've got uh, Tupac and Biggie tying two to two. All so. right, all right. So we got a ton of questions. People were excited about <clears throat> us coming back, yes, or so. they weren't and they just wanted to fucking torture us with questions sure. so yeah. let's move on to the question segment because we got so many sounds good uh dan Scarup uh asked us nicholson military we talked about that we don't need we to talk to we me don't yeah. need to dive in that it was a good trade yes. Dan. very good for minnesota uh at dc gallo 12 that is drew asked uh toys elbow i think we talked about that too we can it if you want to follow the letter of the law it could be a red but it's usually not called a red, so it's a little. I, I would just say Google uh, Google's Latan. Google's yeah. Latan elbow, and tell me why Toy's elbow was a red and Latan got no card. This is a great transition <laughs> to uh, our uh, Robert question. Yes, Robert the Red uh, asks if you could elbow any player in MLS in the groin, who would it be? Holy shit! I wish I would have read this one before. Yeah, who? I know. Um, I w current I or we, yeah, all I wish time? Said past or present? Because yes. I can think of past ones. I, I well, let's say do all. Pass. Well, but who? Dempsey. 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 Okay. I hate Dempsey. Yeah. Um. You know, I think both past and present. I gotta go with Wondolowski. Yeah, I, I just really hate, do not. I do not like Chris Wondolowski. I know you don't. I do not know why. You know the other. The other actually really good answer that we we actually mentioned him earlier in the podcast. Brett Shea. <laughs> well, no, Hercules uh, Gomez. Brett Shea is good. Hercules, Hercules so, Gomez. Okay, so for pa <laughs> past Hercules Gomez, okay. present is uh, uh, Chris Wondolowski. For me, I'd have to say um, present would definitely be um, who did I, Clint Dempsey. Um, past uh, who who is uh, Rafa Marquez? Oh, that's a good. That's, that's a good, good one. one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, uh, <laughs> sort of a similar question uh, at Kraus GA. That's uh, Ben Kraus Gagne. Uh, chairs the travel committee for the dark clouds. Who do you want toy to elbow in the gut? Doesn't need to be soccer related. So same question, but <laughs> but basically, Could let's be anybody let's bring in the world. Soccer yeah. context. I, you know, I'm not gonna say Donald Trump. Like that'd be too easy. That's fish in a barrel right there. Um, man, I've been so I, w I was actually just this is just very just because of uh, uh, like circumstances. But I would say my boss today because. I got a uh, request at like one o'clock that I needed to put together a presentation or one thirty, put together a presentation that I would be then presenting uh, tomorrow morning, Wednesday morning when you're listening to this. I've already presented this thing because I'm, I got my ass up and was in downtown at seven o'clock in the morning to present. Um, that was probably, I'd actually have Mason Toy elbow my boss in the, in the, in the gut. For that, for that particular best purpose. Right. You would use that opportunity yes. in a very, a very temporary situation. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's all right, that's all right Mr. Petty. Um, yeah. I, so, you know, I don't want to go with Trump. Why don't I say Rudy Giuliani? Because he's in the news again. Okay. And yeah. the, the main reason I want to do that is because when he does that, it's going to cause, uh, and you guys at home can hear the face I'm making, it would cause uh, Giuliani to go, ah! <laughs> and then you would see his top teeth, which are pristine and fixed, and his bottom teeth, which are pointing in every direction, like one of those fucking barriers they used in World War yeah. Two, and they're yellowing and stuff. Like, dude, yeah. when we've got Rudy, Gi Rudy Giuliani money, why don't you just fix both halves of your teeth? That's fair. You'd be like, uh, 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, now, I, I came out earlier in this episode against toddler death. I stand by that. Now, 
I was one of the first to come out and say, and I continue to say to this day, 9-11, not good. Not a fan. Stand against it. I, continue to I still think it's an state. inside job, so we have to agree to disagree on that one. Okay, fine. Um, all right. Uh, at Autrox, that's Andrew Hilger, asked, what's it like to go on a reunion tour? I think he is in relation we're, to us we, coming back. Yeah, we're touring our hometown, basically. Yeah, uh, it's... Don't it's call it. Like, it's kind of like revisiting your high school, like at, like four years after you graduated. Yeah, is what it, you know. All I'm gonna like, say, nobody here gives a shit. Yeah. Like, we come in, we're like, hey, remember us? We're the yeah. podcast guy. They don't give a shit. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you, Andrew. Just you know, uh, as the uh, the great Ice T once said, don't call it a comeback. I thought you were gonna say, uh, oh, I was thinking of Ice Cube. <laughs> I was gonna start misquoting. Today was a good day. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I'm glad I didn't tee that one up for you. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, all right. Uh, at our harm 99 asked, uh, and we you, we actually aggressed this one a little bit on Twitter. Aside from the current injury, what will it take to get uh, BMK have a year away? That is our baby boy Brent Coleman uh, back into the lineup. And we said, whatever Ibarra did. Yeah, maybe Ibarra burned the tapes. Oh. Um, I don't know why Bent's not back in the – but maybe, you know – Maybe he needs to do some sort of uh, hypnotize, like, like hypnosis or something or whatever. Gets Adrian to forget about Brent like railing on Adrian Heath's, uh, Adrian Heath's wife. I don't know. Man in the Burn the tapes. I guess that's the, probably the best answer, yeah. In the bathroom here at Fitzgerald, they got new, um, they got new urinal cakes. They're the kind that have like the spikes on it so you can like pee into it and it, like, you know, it doesn't splash back on you. It really it's a bullseye too. It absorbs it. Yeah, which I'm glad it has a bullseye because <laughs> all these years of just windmilling this <laughs> fucking hot golden stream in every direction. Now I know where to go. That had nothing to do with anything we yeah. were talking about. I just thought now you know it's it like yeah. you know, for any woman who goes into a bathroom that a man's been in, like yeah, yeah just no. fucking just wind, whirling wind your dick around. around. Yeah, yeah, whirly burly. <laughs> Anyways, next question. All right, um, at Bad MLS Comics asks. This is a very good one. On a scale of Freddie Adu to Freddie Adu, what are our chances of fielding a competitive side in the Open Cup this year? We are... Freddie Adu. We're going to Freddie Adu the shit out of it is yeah, what we're going to do. I have no question about 100% it. 100% Freddie Adu. You know what? When you take a team like ours and you put them in this kind of situation, sometimes playing on short rest, um, a lot of pressure... You, there's going to be hot Freddie Adu all over yes, the place. Yes, Freddie Adu, yeah. like sweet, sweet, sexy Freddie Adu action. How many times do you think? For, never mind. <laughs> we got to end this. Podcast. Yeah, moving moving along. Oh, uh, at campaign expert Brian asks, uh, 100 DQ blizzards or one DQ soccer player, which one is going to make you happy longer? Longer? Longer. I like who's going to love you more long time. Dude, a hundred DQ Blizzard sounds fucking terrible to me. Like one occasionally, it's, it's like it's like eating Taco Bell like when you're drunk, you know. Well, like, maybe I'm not eating it like like. Ooh, am I in Mexico right now? But yeah, like, it just feels good in the moment. It's, okay, it's DQ Blizzard. hundred of them shits. Yeah, moving, I didn't think about that. All. I don't think about it in that context. Like I, I figure like a hundred for the rest of your life versus Darwin Quintero when, for the rest of your life. As long as you, as long, so as long as you have Darwin Quintero versus. 100 blizzards over the course of the rest of your life. Because you're, when, you, when you're making corporate strategy money, bitch, you can afford 100 <laughs> DQs, all right? I, I, can't, I can't land a Darwin Quintero, so I, that was the most asshole thing I think I've ever said. Um, <laughs> all right, no, so Darwin Quintero. I, I, I agree. Um, all right. Uh, at Big Jeb Brofsky, Big Jeb Brofsky asks, at Jeb Brofsky, gigantic question mark? 
I made a case last year that I that we should have signed Jabrowski. Yeah. Uh, I, I know this was just a funny question for yeah. him. But we actually had the opportunity. He was training with us last year as he came he back was, from a big yes. injury. And yeah. we and, and Heath was pretty upfront about saying that he was never really genuinely in contention to make the squad. Yeah, exactly. Really, it was, it was a kindness to him, which is great. I'm glad they gave him a place to train. I think they shouldn't have so quickly passed over him, though, because you remember in the doldrums of last summer, we were fucked for depth. Yes. We could have used a Jabrowski. So Jabrowski, maybe not now, but as I look at us getting shallower with these injuries, maybe yeah. a Jabrowski. Would have been great, yeah. He's And he's been uh, well, he's out in Colorado, now, I believe, and he's running uh, like youth soccer stuff and... He's, he's, he's not on the market. He's really made anymore, peace. Yeah. He's made peace with. Uh, he's made peace with everything, um, which is great for him. Good. Um, so yeah, that's your Brosky question mark. Mustache. Yes. I think so. I hope so. All right, I'll take it. Um, all right, uh, at nuts VT asks, do you guys know if there will be tailgating at Allianz Field? Uh, and then his other questions: favorite MNUFC tailgate memories. I can tell you that there will not be tailgating at Allianz Field as it is currently constructed. Um, I know for a fact that there are some places that a tailgating-like atmosphere will hopefully be part of everything, but I can't give any details right now. It's strictly confidential information. You have a favorite um, memory from tailgating? Uh, I, d I don't have one specific memory that I love. I just, I, I mean, I do. I'm, I was never, I was never really on the big like. Oh, we gotta have tailgate. That's so important. Because I, I just I don't think it's a whatever. But I do – I mean, I do enjoy – I did enjoy, like, having that sort of – that camaraderie. That, uh, more, more so than anything, it was an opportunity to actually meet um, meet dark clouds and meet new people. That can be hard to do during a game. It's, it's super loud, hard to do during the game. You know, it's, it's, it's loud. Like, we're not it's, – it's, it's, we're all – it's very sort of – um, structured and all that. You're not able to sort of like walk around and all that, with especially at TCF. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's probably what I, miss, what I miss the most about tailgate is just being able to walk around, introduce yourself to people, get to know people. Um, you know, become. You know, I've met some some of my best friends just because like just walking around the tailgate and stuff. So how about you? I'll. So we covered the is there going to be tailgating? I'll, I'll give you this for a memory, and and there are a lot. Although back then I wasn't as social with people. They like they didn't know who I was quite as much back in those days. So. Um, I will say this. Um, I brought my brother to a game. It was his first Loons game ever. And um, we struck up a conversation with a dude we met there. Um, and we talked for, like, a long time, like 20 minutes and stuff, um, about random things, for everything from soccer to World of Warcraft to shit like that. And then um, asked his name because I didn't get his name before. And it was Chris Cluey. He was, like, a guest <laughs> of the night for uh, for their Pride Night. Chris Cluey, if you don't know, was a punter for the Minnesota Vikings at the time. I remember that game. Time. Yeah. And, um, like, we didn't even know. It wasn't like a, let's go fucking see Chris Cluey. It was just, like, a dude at the game, and we chatted it up. And then and so my brother, again, for is his first Loons game, is kind of like, this is kind of fucking cool. Yeah. We, is this happen every game? And I was like, totally. You know, that people fucking <laughs> hang out. So that was a good memory. I like yeah. That. I mean, the, the other great thing was just, like, you'd see, you'd run into, like, Bill McGuire, like Dr. Bill McGuire. You'd run into the, the real cool Bill McGuire, but also Dr. Bill McGuire. Uh, or like the team president, you, you, they literally would show up with beers and you shoot, shoot the shit with them yep. and drink beers like with the people who actually own the team. I miss that so um, much. I do miss that a lot. Just you know, I I met a bunch of the people from the team and good friends I still have on the team because of that. And that I, I can I literally can text if I you know have a question about something. So yeah. that I do miss. I mean that is that will be. It's never coming losing. Back. That's gonna be tough. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, I think th there will be something that will be akin to tailgating that will be close to Steam, I believe. So Good. just leave it at that. Um, final question because we this is a really long podcast and I don't want to. I have a bunch of thoughts about the Met Gala, but I don't. I don't Let's wanna... spit out like a top yeah top <laughs> point for the Met Gala. Um, but <clears throat> final question is: uh, Bridge McDowell asks, uh, "Will it be ready?" I think she means the podcast in time for my noon driver on the 494 loop. And that's up to Dave Martin because he's the one who does the editing right now. Bridget, because you fucking mentioned that, I will just go home and edit it tonight <laughs> instead of doing it tomorrow. So if you are listening okay. to this, Bridget, it was ready. And you yeah. now get to drive around the 494 death loop. I, uh, I'm staying up late tonight to edit it rather than doing it tomorrow <laughs> specifically for you, Bridget. All right. All right. So what are your? So, did you see any of the pictures from the Met Gala? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it was like Catholic themed was the... Was the I the love it. Dress theme. It I was it. a fucking amazing, man. Yeah, it was great. It's like going to the Met Gala is actually on. It's like on my bucket list of things to, I want to do. Which is weird. I know it's up, really dress up. Dress up. It, right? Oh yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. Like, like you know, I, I don't know. I saw the saw the like the Tom Brady. He was in that really weird suit. But like, did you see um, uh, Chadwick Boseman? Like what he was wearing. I. I would he get really, good, I would yeah. get really into the fucking theme. That's all. That's yeah, all I'm gonna absolutely. say. Absolutely. So, so I, so I'll, I know we don't want to take too much time. I'll give you two points. Uh, Bad girl Riri, uh, oh. definitely owned. Pope AF, man. Yep. Pope AF. She was amazing and beautiful, and um, as always, she, she fucking fashions it up. She was. Of she's this a, context. She too. was actually the like the co-chair of the of the Bad Girl Committee. So yeah. Also being rich. She, but she's been, she's had, look, go back and look at her past, like, three or four Met Gala outfits. She's been, oh, she been nails, fucking yeah. bonkers she every single time. Yeah. Uh, the other, the only other point that I'll make is that Jared Leto looked like the fucking Burger King. <laughs> King. Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't, yeah, yeah. Who right. was Catholic. I didn't, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about uh, yeah. the Burger King, uh, King as having a, a religion that yeah. he belonged to until last night. Yeah. And now I know that he's a Catholic. And Migos looked really fucking weird, too. I don't, I don't know if you saw Migos. Like, their suits were. They look like kind of like comic books, like literally like comic book panels had been set. Okay. It's, it was, the 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 gentlemen did not did not embrace the theme as much as say the women the women did, and and God bless the women because men apparently have no fashion sense. So I'm pro woman. I will come out. <laughs> I have come out against. Child death. <laughs> Me too. Against 9-11. And now I, I'm going to say I, I think 9-11 was inside job, but I'm also pro-women as well. So. Yes. All right. Uh, with that. podcast. With that, um, you can find all of our shit at thedavesiknow.com. Or sorry, not just davesiknow.com. We don't even know our website. Uh, email. It's been so long, man. You can email us questions at thedavesiknowman at gmail.com. Uh, at TDIKMN on Twitter. You can find me at TexasL. You can find Martin uh, at regular David. Right? I changed yeah, I, Offensive Loons. Yeah, from, not now. Offensive Loons. Offensive it's Loons been a weird hiatus. Offensive Loons is dead. Long live Offensive Loons. Um, at regular, regular David. Regular My David. favorite thing is how boring <laughs> that handle is. It's so <laughs> self-aware and terrible. I'm surprised it was available, too. I know, right? That's that Regular David. Regular David. Uh, at regular David. Tweet him all of your weird shit. Um yeah. Thank you so much, guys. It's, it's been fantastic to be back. I know this is a long-ass podcast. David, uh, why don't you take us out? These are the Daves I know against child murder. We are the Daves. Don't try and work it out because we both know we can't do nothing at all. Yeah. We can as long as you do yours, land here, become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Through the act, we attract two, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing. Do it. Do it. Do it.
with me. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be we, done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all.